when you're doing that live stream and you're pairing yourself with the that organization in a way that you're demonstrating your values aligned with theirs, their supporters are gonna like go nuts. They're gonna be like, wow, there's this incredible artist that's doing work that I care about. Of course, I'm gonna support them by buying their CD or showing up to the show or telling a friend about this experience. And, you know, they get to do some good in the world too. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Simon Tam. He's an author, musician, and activist, uh, best known as the founder and bassist of The Slants, which is the world's first and only all-Asian American dance rock band. He also founded The Slants Foundation, which is a nonprofit that supports artists and activism for underrepresented communities. Uh, he actually won a case that went to the Supreme Court and he's got a really interesting story, so I thought it would be great to have him on today to basically talk a little bit about how you can align your music and the platform that you're building with the causes that you care about. So, uh, Simon, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, to start out with, yeah, I know you have a pretty pretty interesting story, so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about um, how you started this lance and how you got to this point. Sure. So I originally started this lance because I wanted to basically provide representation for Asian Americans, something that I saw that was distinctly lacking in the music industry, and especially in the music that I love, which is like punk and rock and roll, uh, or even the synth pop that I grew up with in the 1980s. And so in the kind of early to mid 2000s, I just had this idea, like, what if I started an Asian American band, and we just write songs about our experiences and, and kind of kick it off from there decided to call it the slants as kind of a way to tackle this false stereotype that all Asian people have slanted eyes. And it's kind of a way to reappropriate that like old racist stereotype and turn it into a badge of pride. And I mean, the, the response is just so unbelievable. More than anything else I've ever had in my music career with kids writing to us, telling us how much it meant to them to, to see something like that. Of course, things took a pretty chaotic turn after that when we tried to apply to get a trademark for our name. And that's what eventually led us into this really long legal battle. It lasted about eight years, and it ultimately ended with us at the U.S. Supreme Court fighting for the right for us to register our trademark, but ultimately for the right of all artists to be able to express themselves and to use creative expression as a way to you know, paired up with meaningful content and speech that, that we believe is important to us. Mm. That's awesome, man. I think that that's pretty remarkable that you were able to take something to the Supreme Court like that in over eight years, uh, win a case, so not just for you, but for, you know, really the, the impact that can make for other artists as well. So um, I'd love to hear you uh, talk a little bit about, you know, we had a chance to connect um, a few weeks ago, and you talked about really how you were able to align your platform and, and your music with these other causes that you care about. So uh, maybe you could share a little bit about um, some examples of different types of venues that you performed at and different ways that you've really been able to align with, with these different causes. 
I think that a lot of artists who maybe are passionate about a particular cause kind of take it one step at a time. Like nobody sees this end goal of like what it fully looks like without taking those initial steps and making some of those initial forms of reaching out to different organizations. And that's kind of like us. We, we kind of started out touring and playing as any other traditional band, but it wasn't until we started getting all these notes from these kids that we realized that we needed to take it a step further. And so that kind of began with us enrolling in classes on uh, diversity and inclusion and even counseling because a lot of the kids that were like reaching out to us had been bullied were physically attacked some of them were contemplating suicide and we needed to be able to handle that appropriately especially since they felt like they could turn to us but not necessarily their parents or school teachers or that sort of thing so our first foray really was doing workshops at a lot of the places where we would perform like we would play, play at night and then in the daytime we would do workshops with kids and talk about uh, you know how to address their issues of bullying or their, their own identity and working with organizations to do that but then as our career progressed we just realized as there, there were more and more causes that we were passionate about that we felt like we needed to get behind so uh, that incorporated everything from playing at U.S. prisons to uh, military bases overseas to uh, playing at like law schools and anime conventions. So, you know, we played a lot of unconventional stages for, <laughs> for a typical rock band, but it ended up being really rewarding for us in, in all kinds of ways. And it eventually inspired us in 2018 to launch our own nonprofit organization. So nowadays I spend most of my time mentoring other artists, uh, you know, funding artistic projects like films or albums and just helping people explore like what it means to be an artist activist, how that could be very, very enriching for like their own personal satisfaction, especially if they have things they care about, but also how they can incorporate it into their work in a meaningful way that doesn't like tokenize it or doesn't try and like exploit the causes that they're trying to support. That's awesome, dude. And what, what a great example of yeah, your role as a musician and, and the influence that you have and using it in really a positive way and and also kind of the responsibility and it's kind of like scariness of that if you know kids coming to you who are suicidal who um, are really leaning on you and you can really help them but also putting you in the spot of of uh, where you guys actually did the work and you figured out how can we actually support support these people who who are connecting with the music is really awesome. One thing that you mentioned was about how it really this is about taking it step by step. And at the beginning, you're really figuring out what are the causes that you're truly passionate about that you can align with and starting to reach out and build relationships with, with the organizations that are part of those causes. For anyone who's like listening and watching this right now who maybe they have a cause that they're really passionate about, but they're not really sure, how do I take those initial steps and how do I even like reach out? What do I say? Who do I reach out to? Um, what would kind of the initial starting point be for that? I think just learning how to show up, uh, like first identifying the organizations that perhaps share similar values as you do, and then figuring out how you can just show up as a volunteer or how you can support their work. Maybe it's beginning with educating yourself about the issues that they work on. Perhaps it's, uh, you know, getting involved with 
uh, a fundraiser or maybe some of the other opportunities that they might have available. That's what we kind of started doing. We started reaching out to other organizations who I thought, you know, hey, they're doing some pretty great work. And I would just show up at their volunteer uh, at their office and volunteer by like stuffing envelopes, making copies or uh, helping promote their events. And I just kept showing up again and again. And they realized that I wasn't there just to, uh, because it seemed like a hot moment to, to like jump on that particular cause. But I was wanting to really be fully vested as a member of the community. And my roles with these organizations grew from the guy who shows up at our events to eventually, in many cases, being on the board of directors, sometimes chairing the organization, uh, helping lead uh, their campaigns and that sort of thing. I, I think with like artists who just want to like get a taste of it, just calling or emailing and just saying like, how can I help you is, is a great way to start. And and to also not be dissuaded if the organization doesn't have capacity at the moment to have a volunteer, you can still support them by donating your time and, and money and energy by getting educated yourself. And then as their capacity grows, maybe they have room for you to, to like step in. And I think it's really important because the local organizations help, they help keep us accountable. Like, like instead of just writing a song uh, about a cause, which I think is important, it's part of the process. It's like taking that additional step and say like, I'm actually working with somebody to actually bring about that change that I'm you know, passionate about and to find a way to make it happen. Mm, that's awesome. <laughs> that makes so much sense too, that you know, the, way, the way to start out is by you know, figuring out how can you provide value? How can you actually align with those causes? And so, so it sounds like really step number one is making a list of those organizations that you, that you care about, that you actually can align with and starting out not by, you know, trying to figure out because, because the way that you described it is like a very selfless is, pro is probably the right way of putting it, but it's really about focusing on them and how can you provide value and how can you align with the cause rather than thinking about me, 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 or like, how is this going to benefit me? Or how can I, you know, kind of partner with this? It's more about how can I help and how can I provide value? How can I serve? So it makes a lot of sense why that would be the, the best way to, to start to really just show up and provide value. The same advice could be applied to any area in the music industry. If you want to get a corporate sponsor, like if you're like, hey, I want to work with Fender or Gibson, you don't begin by talking about yourself. You be, begin by thinking like, what is the audience that they're trying to reach and how you can play a role in helping them get there? Or if you're trying to book a show, nobody cares what bands you played in in high school or how many years you've been playing the guitar. They want to know, can you sell tickets? Can you sell drinks at this event? And if so, as long as you could find a way to get that across and they receive that message, they're going to be much more willing to work with you, to give you a shot, even if you've never played there before or don't have relationships. I think too often we, we forget that as artists who are being generous to the world by bringing creativity to it, we have value in so many different ways that we can offer other people. And if we do it in a way that other people can see themselves in it, then they're going to be much more likely to work with us and oftentimes surprise us by taking that extra mile and, and serving us in ways and working with us in ways that you could never even expect. But it begins with demonstrating that value first. Mm. That's so good. And you're so right too, that, um, that this just is like a life, a life lesson. It's just that when you can focus on providing value and, and serving and, and the more that you can, um, kind of come into different relationships with that in mind, the more, 
counterintuitively, like you don't do it because you're trying, you're trying to do it for yourself, but by doing that, ultimately like what you give comes back, you know, tenfold. Um, so it is like a, a really valuable kind of superpower. If you can get into the mindset of thinking, you know, how can I provide value in this situation? How can I, how can I help? How can I serve? Even just asking those questions, like you mentioned, you know, how, how can I help out? I'm trying to figure out how, you know, what I can do to provide value. Um, is always going to like it's, it's hard for someone to be like closed off <laughs> when someone like genuinely genuinely just wants to provide value you know just building that connection and and again as long as you frame it up in a way that others see themselves in it like you might yourself think of something as being very valuable like hey i'm going to host this concert and and invite this organization but they might not have the staff to be able to show up and be a part of it or to promote your concert in that way but if you ask them, like, this is what I have to offer, how can this align with what you're doing? Or how can we use creativity to build something together? Then oftentimes you'll get results that surprises everybody. Like, you know, uh, an example is like for, for a long time that everyone was trying to get like a tiny desk concert and they're submitting it to NPR. They're like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I think tiny desk is, is cool. It's a great platform and all that. But then I started thinking, wait, what if I kind of recreated the Tiny Desk concert concept and did it in a way that doesn't just serve myself? So when we were on tour, I started contacting nonprofits that were doing stuff that I thought was really cool. And I was like, hey, could we come in there and play in your office? We do a concert. We'll tell people to donate to your organization. Uh, we'll, we'll give your staff some free merch as a way just to, to say thank you for the work that they're doing. And it was everything from like playing in rescue shelters, like no-kill animal shelters, and we'd bring puppies on screen. It was really, really fun. Or to playing at the national headquarters of the ACLU. And you know what? Those videos oftentimes would garner between 500 and sometimes 750,000 viewers at a time. Probably more than you'll ever get from an NPR tiny desk submission that you upload to YouTube with, you know, how many other artists out there. So there are ways of doing this that can provide service for others and still find ways for you to support yourself. Cause like when you're doing that live stream and you're pairing yourself with the, that organization in a way that you're demonstrating your values aligned with theirs, their supporters are going to like go nuts. They're going to be like, wow, there's this incredible artist that's doing work that I care about. Of course, I'm going to support them by buying their CD or showing up to the show or telling a friend about this experience. And you know, they get to do some good in the world too. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. That, that alignment is, is really, really cool. I know that now you spend a lot of your time focused on, uh, mentoring artists and helping artists get started. And yeah, there's been, especially in the last you know, 10, 20 years across a lot of different you know domains, but especially in the music industry too, things have changed so radically from the old model of needing record label to distribute your music to actually you know, having the means and the ability to reach out directly and connect with your fans. So I'd love to hear you share your perspective on uh, some of the biggest changes, some of the biggest uh, innovations that have happened between the old model and the new model. And you know, what does it take to really build a successful music career as an independent artist now? Uh, as opposed to, you know, 10 or 20 years ago? I think more than ever, it is important for artists to be strategic rather than to be tactical. And it's so easy to think like, what are the steps like, you know, one through 10 of what I can do to become successful. But the reality is the path is going to look different from every, for, for every artist, depending on who their audience is and what they're 
actual individual goals are. And so I oftentimes tell artists that you have to begin by having a very clear strategic vision for where you want to be. So if you have a goal, like it's got to be specific, it's got to be measurable, it's got to involve some kind of timeline, and it's got to be a goal that you use to evaluate everything that you do in your music career. You can't just say like, I want to be a full-time musician, because what does that mean? What, is, what does full-time mean to you? How many hours is that a week working? How much income is that? Or do, you, do you mean you're going to like teach music at an elementary school or do vocal coaching lessons or playing on stage or write songs for film and TV? All of the above, like you have to be able to articulate what it is so you know what you're working towards and allowing this much bigger vision that you have for yourself to guide you. Because if your goal of quote unquote being a full-time musician just involves you playing music in any capacity, well, then there's a lot of different roles and directions that you can take yourself in and not necessarily mean you have to try and be the next like pop star. You don't have to be the next Beyonce to be a full-time musician. You can join an orchestra. Like, but you know, it, it all begins with that, that vision first. And I, and I think that once artists understand that there's a strategic process, you'll realize that you can do things that buck trends. You're not reliant on somebody's algorithm or what playlist is hot or if somebody gives you press or the time of day or not and when you are strategic about it you can actually navigate the, the complexities of the industry by being more purposeful in each of your actions and realizing that there are many many opportunities out there uh, that you can find for yourself that make the most sense for you and probably uniquely you in ways that might not make sense for another artist but if you take advantage of those opportunities you'll get much more in return than you ever imagined by following like a conventional path. You know, my bands made a career playing anime conventions and later on we played at law schools and side courtrooms and, and things like that. If, if you would have told any of the artists in the world that that would be a viable path, they would think you're crazy. But you know, we got flown all around the world playing these kinds of events and we made it happen for ourselves. I was able to give my musicians and crew a living wage. And that could only happen by being strategic and thinking like, we don't have to do what everyone else is doing. We can do things that are right for ourselves. And because I have a very clear vision of where we wanna go and understand that the, the individual steps might not make sense to someone else, but it aligns with our vision, it aligns with our values. So it makes perfect sense for us. Mm, awesome. Yeah, so it sounds like what you're saying is that one mistake that, that artists can make is comparing themselves to everyone else and thinking that there's sort of like a cookie cutter approach when um, really everyone is gonna have a different path. And it's important to not just think tactically kind of on the surface, but really have like a deeper strategy and to understand what it is for you, like to get clarity starting out with yeah, what, what are your goals? So how does someone kind of start that process of kind of creating measurable like goals for themselves and kind of reflecting and figuring out, uh, cause there are so many different opportunities, right? So would you recommend that they just, you know, like sit down with a notebook and start like writing it down or do you have any, any thoughts on, on how someone can kind of figure out what's the right path for them? You know, whether it's creating art or uh, activism, the process is largely the same in terms of setting goals. I always say, like, begin with the world that you want, and then you work out the steps to get there. So, yeah, begin with that notebook. If your goal is to say, like, hey, in 
five years, I want to be making uh, $10,000 a month with, with my music, which I don't think is an unreasonable goal. Uh, but it's, it seems unreachable for many, many people because they haven't thought about the process to get there. But let's say your goal is 10K a month, so you, you can have a six-figure income as a musician. That might seem overwhelming at first until you realize, oh, you know, that's $2,500 a month, or it's a little bit over 300 bucks a day. How, do you, how can you make 300 bucks quickly? It means playing a gig and probably selling a few albums or t-shirts. That can get you there. And if you do that, multiply by 30 times, you're already there. If you get a sync licensing deal, you can probably cut that number in half. So you start saying like, okay, there's different pathways to get there. Now, how do I build my career to a level where I can get you know, a $300 guarantee a night at a club. Well, that means building an audience in certain geographic locations and being more strategic about that. That means, you know, there each step you start seeing like has a different step that can precede it, but it all begins with understanding where it is you want to go. If you kind of go at it backwards, which is like, hey, let's get together, we'll write some songs, maybe we'll release an album, maybe we'll just release one single at a time on Spotify, which is a trend right now. Um, and then maybe we'll like tour, I'm like, where are you going to tour to? And to what end? What's the purpose of that? Then, then you're not going to be thinking about which markets you want to actually build up over the next five years that can get you there. So I always begin with that biggest, highest level picture that you can imagine, and then start working out what's a realistic path to get there. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top-level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, that reminds me of um, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits was start with the end in mind. And yeah, I think that that is so powerful, like starting with that vision, starting with the outcome and then kind of reverse engineering it um, so you can figure out how to get there. 
one follow-up question is uh, I'm curious to hear your take on the kind of the process for for setting those goals and then adapting as you move towards those because for example you know if you have this goal for five or ten years out and in a in a vision i'm sure that along the path you know people set make plans and then realize that certain strategies didn't really work as well certain strategies worked better and and, you know things kind of adapt over time so i'm wondering what you'd recommend in terms of breaking down the process of once you have like a higher higher vision or higher goal do you do like a quarterly type of planning, like 90 day projects or like yearly or um, like what's like a regular um, system that you use to sort of move towards those goals? I oftentimes like to break it up like, you know, between a five year goal, I like to chop it down to like an annual goal. And then I will usually have like quarterly targets, like am I on track or not? I think in regards to that, there's two things I want to mention. One is to realize that sometimes things take time to grow and it require a lot more investment up front. So you might not like see that payoff right away, but if you know it's really aligned with your vision and your goal, you should continue persisting. A lot of times we experience uh, what's you know, Seth Godin, this great marketing mind calls the dip. If you, if you're in the, you got to know if you're in a dip and means something you need to persist or work through and not give up on, because when you come out the other side, you're going to be much more ahead or if it actually is a failed tactic or path. And so I, I oftentimes say like, oftentimes we need to uh, give our goals and give our strategies to get there a chance. And sometimes that means sticking with them probably a little bit longer than we ought to. The other part of that though, the other side of that coin is that knowing that if it isn't going to be viable in terms of an option, being willing to walk away from it and knowing that it's okay. Like sometimes we get so attached to certain tactics. We treat it like a, like a, like, oh, I invested all this time and money and energy into this one thing. And we hang on to it with, and needlessly it's just a sunk cost it means like it was a lesson learned you could thank the lesson the universe for the lesson you learned and move on don't get hung up on things that don't work and so we're always going to have to be navigating and, and and trying to balance those two kind of extremes and i think it the more that you do it the more you develop an intuition of what works or doesn't work but no matter what know that it does take time. So probably you want to give it at least a quarter, but more likely probably at least six to eight months. I mean, I, I oftentimes think about like uh, treating it like the gym, you know, like no amount of working out that you do today will get you in shape. No one knows how long it takes to get in shape. And it's probably different for every person anyway. But what we do know is that if you consistently show up and work out on a regular basis, that one day, you will get in shape. And if you maintain it, it actually becomes easier. So a lot of that's like the goals that we work on for ourselves. They require consistency and they require a lot of persistence. And if you give up early, and that means that those gains that you might not have got, um, that you could have gotten, especially if they're just underneath the surface, uh, that that means it's a waste if, if you give up too early. So just under, we got to be constantly evaluating it. Am I showing up? Am I doing the work? And am I, do I have the confidence and the persistence to know that if I persist on this path, it will help get me closer to my goal. Then if you know, that's the right path, keep at it. Mm. Yeah, that, that's super well articulated. Uh, it kind of reminds me of 
this analogy of uh, planting planting a seed. You know, so like when you start planting a, a seed or like for a, for a tree, if you don't give it time, if you don't nurture it, if you don't really like give it, if you're not patient enough to let it grow, then you, you can like dig it up. You're like, why isn't this growing fast? So you like dig it up and it's like, and it doesn't grow. Um, so, you know, it really does take nurturing and it takes patience and it is more of a long-term, you know, it's a marathon, not necessarily a sprint. And also, I mean, it is kind of a paradox too, right? Because like, like you mentioned, like sometimes there's just a strategy, like you're never going to find a, a sunrise if you're moving west, right? Um, so sometimes the strategy just doesn't work. So, so it sounds like what, what you'd recommend is really maybe leaning in the direction of giving something a little bit more time than you think that, that you need in order to really give it a fair chance. And, and, and you mentioned that, you know, you get better at it over time. Like you kind of build this intuition for what's working and what's not. When do you actually kind of decide to like cut cut the ties? Okay, like this isn't this is working. It's like six or eight months afterwards, and it's just like no results at all. Or what's your thought around that? I mean, it, it really depends on on the tactic itself. But I, I think that yeah, if something's not like bearing fruit, then don't continue like throwing resources at it if it's been a length of time. No, just knowing that. Some things take longer than others. And so you kind of have to understand what you're getting into if you're diving into a particular like path. And so one way of like improving your intuition is having a really, really good sounding board. So uh, one of the things I recommend to every artist is if you really want to have music as your career, you got to treat it like a business. And any like decent business has a good cabinet of knowledge uh, by having trusted advisors, either through a board of directors or an advisory group. So I always say like get an advisory group and try and get people who are willing to give you brutal, honest feedback when, when necessary, try and get people who both work in the music industry, but also people who are successful, who are entrepreneurs, who are outside of the industry, who can give you some objective advice in terms of like your own business practices. And so if you have a group of people, even if it's just a few mentors that you can turn to from time to time, who can kind of help steer you, you can develop that intuition a little bit more quickly. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's super important. Having having the right mentor can kind of tell you like, hey, like, you know, you're on the right path, keep nurturing it. Like some, sometimes it seems like the, the biggest challenge is really just a mindset thing, right? Where it's just like, you need someone, you just like, you need shared belief. You need them to be like, hey, you've got this, you know, stay on track, like you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, um, it's so helpful to have a coach. I mean, one of the artists that I've been mentoring for the past year and a half probably already knows the answer to every question they ever ask me, but they need somebody else to say the words for them to truly feel it and believe it. And so oftentimes I end up just being more of a counselor, more of a, like uh, there for encouragement. And, you know, every creative needs that. It, it, there's nothing wrong with having help. And oftentimes the people who help you are just more than happy to invest in you in ter terms of like financial investment, in terms of emotional or mental uh, investment, and in terms of giving you their best advice. Like learn from other people's failures, learn from other people's successes. They're, they're oftentimes more than happy to do this because they wanna see you succeed. And if you can find those people who can be those coaches and those cheerleaders for you, then by all means, bring them on board. I, I, I mean, I kind of called it a advisory group or board of directors, but I, I do recommend like really treating it like that. So for my own board or advisory group that I had for my band, I would send them quarterly reports. 
These are how many shows we played. Here's our income. Here's where we are. Here's press we've received. And I would say like, here's what I'm planning for the next quarter. And I'd love your feedback and see what you think and really consider their advice. Uh, I did the same thing for any of our like sponsors or endorsement deals. I'm like, here's how often your logos are being seen. Here's how many websites uh, visits we're getting. And, and I was constantly like saying like, are these metrics meaningful to you? How do you, do you have any suggestions how we can grow this together? And it was just really, really helpful for me as somebody who, who was trying to like navigate these waters to have other people who were vested in my success also provide that feedback as well. Mm. That's so good. And, and that's, that's great too, that you, know, you created this, this structure for you to be able to hold yourself accountable, you know, to those metrics that you created to actually measure what you're doing and to be able to, to actually showcase it um, to a board of advisors or mentors. I think that in and of itself is, is so valuable to have tangible, specific you know, numbers that, that you're looking at that you can keep track of. Uh, I, I know that there's been a lot of studies around just how measuring something, just the act of actually keeping track of something tends to improve the thing significantly, even without any conscious intention to do it otherwise. So along those those lines, um, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what are some of the numbers or the metrics that, or how, how might a musician who's kind of get early and getting started start to really measure the things that, that matter, the things that are really important to their business? Well, I think for them, it, it depends again on what their goal is. But in terms of like broad areas of measurement that I think every musician should be paying attention to is like, how quickly are you growing your email list? Like direct contacts that you own. Uh, I don't want other people to own my contact. That's why, although I teach a lot of people how to optimize their social media, I'm like, at the end of the day, that social media has to have a call to action and it's got to lead directly back to your own website. Um, you know, a lot of record labels, will take a glance at your social media following. But if you really want to have cards to bring to the table for negotiating, uh, it's having an owned list and saying like, I have a contact list with, you know, permission to email 100,000 people. I have their addresses, phone numbers, ages, demographic info. That has way more power than oh, I got 100,000 followers on Instagram, which, you know, 90% of those followers could be fake because you can buy followers nowadays. So knowing that you have a, a fan base that you intimately know is is very very critical the second part of that is um, you know I, i'm a firm believer and kevin kelly is like that thousand true fans theory if you could find a thousand true fans that's probably all you need it's probably more than enough to get you going and to have a sustainable career and kevin kelly design defines it as like can you find a thousand people who are willing to spend a hundred bucks on you a year if so that is a term of, that's a form of measurement as well. Like how many fans do I have that are willing to, to pay, you know, buy everything that I release because that that's your core base that you're trying to serve. So moving the needle on that audience is also critical. And then, uh, you know, like we want it to be a sustainable income. So you should be very, very good with your budgeting and accounting. I, I don't hear nearly enough uh, music business folks talking about this, but like, helping artists understand how to create a budget, particularly for the business of their music, and then seeing like where the income's coming in, where your expenses are, and how you can uh, grow or cut one or the other is, is gonna be really important. It's a skill that takes a long time to develop, but you know, when you're talking about trying to make a sustainable living as an artist, I'm always like, 
Well, there's only two ways to make more money. Either you increase your revenues by selling more stuff or you cut your expenses. So are there creative ways that you can make some moves and 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 shifting those numbers in, in, in any direction? And, you know, for example, a lot of musicians like, oh, I'm going to move to Nashville or I'm going to move to LA or Seattle or New York and, and that's how I'm going to blow up. I'm like, you just name like four of the most expensive cities in the country to live in. Like, why, why do you need to be there? Like, can you just move like three hours outside of any of those cities, cut your expenses in half and then just play there on a quarterly basis so you're not oversaturating the market, you just cut your expenses. Like the, probably the biggest expense in any musician's budget is gonna be living expense. Or, uh, you know, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and you could buy a house here for $100,000, like either in the city or just outside the city. That means your mortgage is less than 400 bucks a month, which is probably less than the rent of most people's apartments in any city. I was like, what if you did that and build your own recording studio and use that as your tour base where you don't have a huge overhead cost. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to cut at it, but essentially uh, the, the kind of main point is that we need to be paying attention to those numbers in ways that are much more than just surface level, whether it is our email list or our budget, or the things that we track, we need to be tracking with like great detail and a lot more intention than uh, just what it looks like on a spreadsheet. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're totally talking my language right now. I was a weird kid in high school that liked math. And so when it comes to things like uh, the economics and, and working with, with those metrics, those numbers, I think that it's super important just to give give you clarity and just to, to know like specifically how well things are going. And if you have, you know, sure, if you have a team that of mentors or advisors that you can really submit uh, things to, you need to know what those numbers are in order for them to have their fingers on the pulse of, of how things are going. One uh, one model, I think this is also why I'm a big fan of uh, paid traffic and building funnels and advertising is just in terms of the metrics, you can really boil everything down to you know, like cost per acquisition and value act per acquisition, right? So like how much does it cost for you to acquire an email address from someone? And then how much are you earning per email address that, that you acquire? And you know, it's just like, that's like the scale, right? And like, like you talked about, the only way to, to increase your value per acquisition is to, you know, increase, to offer something more, offer something new, or to reach more people. And, you know, it's just this, this balance is like the scale between your cost per acquisition, your value per acquisition. So I think that that's something that all of us as, as business owners um, could really leverage is having a good system for keeping track of, of those metrics. And at a, at a high level, being able to keep your fingers on the pulse of how much are you spending versus how much are, are you earning? And, you know, if you don't have that, then it's like searching for your keys in a dark room where there is, there is no light. You know, if you have no light, then you could spend hours or you, you, you might never find the keys, but if you just turn on the light, then you really quickly, you can kind of navigate and be like, okay, so I need to take these steps here to, to, and I'm moving closer to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, those numbers and you know, them in and out and what they mean, anybody who can have a, the ability to significantly shape your career, whether it's through a sponsor or a record label deal or a solid manager, they will give you a much more serious consideration because they're like, oh, this person knows their numbers. You got, again, you got to treat it like a business. Imagine if we were 
running a restaurant and you didn't know how much money you actually made or how much it costs you to make like a certain, like the most popular menu item you have on the menu, or you didn't know what your plan for the restaurant was in seven months. And you're like trying to tell somebody, Hey, I need a $2 million investment in my business. They think you're crazy. Any label will do the same thing for you. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know how much things cost, how much it takes for you to produce uh, an item or what kind of return on investment that they would be getting from that kind of deal. So just knowing those numbers are just like, not only good for you in terms of like having a good record and like a way to get a better sense of where you are in terms of your career. It's also extremely important if you want anyone to take you seriously and enough to give you money to grow your career. Awesome. So uh, one uh, question kind of piggyback off of off of that a little bit with like the numbers and, and knowing as a business, you know, what are your operating expenses and, and how much you're earning? Obviously, one of the biggest challenges uh, or, or things when it comes to having a successful business or being a musician that is able to spend the majority of their days focusing on their music is figuring out how do I sustain myself? How do I make enough income uh, to actually you know, do this full time? So I'm wondering if you could share maybe a few different ideas uh, for any musicians listening to this right now who you know, maybe need some creative brainstorming of different income opportunities or different, uh, obviously there's a lot of different, like, like you talked about before, there's different paths you can take. What are a few of the biggest opportunities that you see right now for artists to be able to actually sustain themselves full-time? I think right now we have to realize that you're probably not going to make a decent income from streaming. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody really thinks that as a serious consideration, but if you can see streaming or getting a lot of people to check out your music as a means of getting someplace else, then you're probably on a better track to do so. So for, for those musicians out there who are passionate about performing on the stage, I think that is definitely a, a huge viable income source that that we can pursue particularly as the world is starting to open up again and there are those opportunities but i would say be open to playing unconventional stages and opportunities particularly if you could find like a niche or a unique audience that you yourself could tap into because it fits with either who you are what you're passionate about or what your music is about if you could find something that does that like conventions and that sort of thing then you can really get uh, some pretty substantial wages just just from doing that alone uh, and and if you can find that niche market you can also leverage corporate sponsors or investors or other people to do that too so like if you're very very passionate about i don't know soap there's like a soap maker convention in this country i believe it or not and you could partner with soap companies or you know like find the thing that is uniquely you that you can that what makes you yourself unique that other people can't claim. If it's a, if it's your story, your lived experience, your song content, or some combination of all those things, figure out what is the audience that's going to resonate with those things the most. And if that that could be a group, like a unique trade group or convention or something like that, that's a huge opportunity that you can use or leverage to kind of get probably a pretty decent uh, source of money there. Uh, so I think that's like one of the big things. If you're not a performing artist and you, you just want to like write songs or you want to sell your songs to, to film or television or that sort of thing, that, that there's going to be a different path for that as well. So also it's important to understand like where you want to go because you don't want to inadvertently choose a path 
that you don't want to be stuck on. Like, even if it pays you well, if it ultimately leads to dissatisfaction or is different than your goals outlined, then you probably are going to be really unhappy if you do it. So figure out like the stuff that you're really, really passionate about and then think, how can I funnel or like combine that passion with uh, somebody else's values and passion? And if I can put the two together, then that's a match made in heaven that's going to provide ample opportunities. Mm, awesome. <laughs> in my head, I'm just imagining now like a soap company, <laughs> like, it's like aligning with, aligning with the, the soap company. Oh, you I, 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 totally creative. I mean, so here's the thing. Like when I was actively touring, I had partnerships with hotel companies. So we had places to stay on tour. We worked with a gasoline company so I can get discounts or free fuel for touring printing companies so that we can get our posters made. And also like, you know, if you go to like any other show, like live performance in, in this country, whether it's theater, a musical or a dance troupe, they're all gonna give you programs like at the door as audiences are walking in. I was like, why aren't we doing this at concerts? If Cirque du Soleil could do this, I could do this. And I realized most of the people attending didn't care that much about the program, but who really cared were corporate sponsors. So I'd be like, hey, you can get a full page ad if you kick in five grand on this tour or 10 grand. You can get a half page feature. We can do an interview and talk about your products. And like, we'll have information about the band, the shows, the album, whatever. But like the program was like a free giveaway that we'd give to audiences. But really it was a vehicle for us to sell sponsorship placements for our investors. So there are other creative ways of partnering up. And yeah, like, if you could find a way to align with like who you are, what you do, whether it's a soap maker, you know, actually we had a partnership with a, a laundromat chain because we wore a lot of suits and vests <laughs> on our tour. And I was like, you know, we got to get this stuff clean. It just made sense. And they were aligned with what we were doing. So like we got a lot of great products and services. We were able to help a lot of small businesses thrive and everybody made money as a result. Like, get creative with it. Like be as creative with the approach of your business as you are with the creative works, your, your songs, your album covers and so on. And you'll find that more opportunities will arise and that are available to you than you ever imagined. Mm, that's so smart. Having the, the booklets that they can have the sponsors for. And I, and I can say as someone who toured full-time for, for almost 10 years, I think that more artists could, could do with some sponsorships with soap companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, that, that's great. So, so the idea is, is really to find alignment. And, and I think that that's just a great example of, you know, finding, finding corporate sponsors, finding people who it's a win-win for everyone to, you know, to get them in front of people who are going to the shows, but then also for you to find funding for, for the tours. So, um, I'm sure that you, that you, dive into this even deeper and like your mentorship and, and the, the services that you offer for the RC you work with. But I think that's a, such a cool opportunity. I don't see a lot of people talking about, there's a few people that I know who kind of talk about corporate sponsorships and, and, you know, aligning with these different brands. But I think that's, that's awesome. And definitely a great example of being creative and taking that creativity that comes from being an artist and applying it to, you know, to your business. I think, um, so, yeah, yeah, a lot of people just leave money on the table because they're afraid of selling out or something like that, or maybe they're just not aware of it. But man, these uh, so many businesses out there are looking for creative ways of reaching people. They're hungry for that. And if you could find a way to create a meaningful relationship 
then you can do all kinds of stuff. Like, don't be afraid to pitch off the wall ideas. Like we worked at a sake company and I just kept asking them like, you know, what, what is it that you actually want to do with, with your sake company? You're already like a pretty big brand, way more reach than we had as a like indie, like dance rock band in Oregon. And they just kept saying how they want to educate people about it because there were, you know, it was like a very niche market for them and how that like they would be stuck on a wall with all these other brands from Japan, but what they were doing was kind of uniquely different. I was like, well, what if we help your bottle stand out? And so what we ended up coming up with was um, bottleneck tags. Every single bottle that they had, uh, had a free download of our song and had a little information about our band and our upcoming tour where they could actually meet us and try the sake at one of our shows. And we did this, it was like 55,000 bottles of sake across North America, like every Whole Foods store, every uh, like uh, kind of high-end like liquor, wine place. We, we actually played inside like major liquor and wine stores in Texas. And, you know, we do tastings and things like that. And it was a really fun way of getting support for the sake company but also a way for us to reach new audiences in ways that we never ever would have gotten to do otherwise and so it's just like being willing to just keep, keep throwing ideas and we we threw out a lot of ideas for them like all the time and because their marketing team was kind of small and nimble they they were really excited about these ideas they're like wow here's someone who wants to like help our brand grow so year after year they renewed their investment in us and we also got a ton of free sake, which is not great for a band on tour, but like, you know, made for, for lovely gifts to our families. I mean, you can do things, but it just requires a bit of that, like turning on the brain and being willing to step out what is conventional. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah, and yeah, one thing that I'm hearing you say too um, is that you know, it's important to, to find things that you genuinely align with. And, you know, if you're like, for, for example, if you're like a vegetarian or a vegan, then you wouldn't necessarily try to find a sponsorship with, you know, a bacon company, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, it, so it is important to like find um, the ones that you align with that you have a shared message and, and that you, know, you might be undervaluing yourself and kind of the creative value that you can offer to these brands because it's cool to align with a band, to align with someone actually, you know, to partner with a musician like you. So that's just awesome. What a great example of leaving like a potential value that 99% of artists I think would never even think of if it wasn't for, you know, hearing your story and hearing you share some of those ideas. So Simon, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share some of the, the lessons that you've learned. And sure. for anyone who's uh, listening or watching this right now, who'd, who'd like to connect more, hear more about what um, you offer in terms of mentorship, uh, could you share a little bit about where they can go to connect more? Sure. Uh, you can go to simontam.org to learn more about me and my work. Or if you're interested, you know, we do a lot of mentorship and funding of artists of color at the Slants Foundation. So that's the slants.org. But Either way, I'm kind of an open book and folks can reach out anytime and I'm always happy to share what I got. Awesome, man. Well, uh, like always, we'll throw all the links in the description and the show notes so you guys have easy access. And yeah, thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. All right, thank you so much. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. 
First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.